Hello and welcome to episode number 12 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, and as usual, I'm joined by Tony Pauline as we put the Christmas season behind us and look ahead to the rest of bowl season. Tony, how are the holidays for you and your family? Outstanding. I hope they were well for you and all of our listeners. Always a fun time of year with both Christmas and Hanukkah and those of us, or those of you out there who may celebrate Festivus, of course. Uh, but now we go full grind with the bowl season. I mean, it's really going to start to pick up at an incredible pace. Uh, we've got a couple bowl games we're going to talk about into the lead up of the national championship. Yeah, you're going to be hearing a lot from us over the next couple weeks here. But again, hopefully it's things that you want to hear about bowl games that you're interested in watching for NFL draft or other purposes. We'll start Wednesday afternoon with the Serve Pro Bowl when 10-3 and Boise State and 7-5 and Boston College matchup. Now the Eagles are losers of three straight, but we do have a potentially interesting matchup on the edge. Tony, what do you see here and can you break it down for us? Yeah, I mean, Zach Gallon has been one of my favorite defensive linemen in the past two years. He's a guy who I actually graded higher than Harold Landry a year ago. There is some talk as to whether or not he's going to be a first-round pick. I think he grades out as a first-rounder. The only reason I think he doesn't go in the first round is because of the quality and quantity of defensive linemen in this year's draft. I think Zach Allen outside of the top 16 picks is an absolute bargain. He is a large, intense, physical defensive lineman. He's a three-down player. He can occupy the gaps. He can defend the run. He's a terrific pass rusher. He's got some scheme versatility at the next level. I think he can play defensive end in a four-man line. I think he can line up as a pass-rushing defensive tackle. I think he can eventually grow into a very good two-gap end in a three-man front. Now, he will be matched up at times against Ezra Cleveland of Boise State, a guy who was my highest-rated Bronco uh, moving into this game. I grade Cleveland as a third-round choice, plays left tackle for Boise State, terrific pass protector, good size at about six foot five, 300 pounds, looks very athletic, can slide out off the edge, can get out and block on the second level. A guy who has all the makings of a terrific pass protector. He just has to improve his strength at the point of attack. He's a guy who has to learn to finish blocks, but he's still young. I think another year of seasoning, another year of improvement, another year where he's able to physically mature could hop into the top 60. So really right off the bat, Zach Allen of Boston College against Ezra Cleveland of Boise State is a matchup I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, Allen is definitely an intriguing guy. He was first-team All-ACC this past year. His consistency as a pass rusher over the past three seasons has been really good, between six and six-and-a-half sacks each year. You know, you mentioned a lot of the traits about him. He's got good size and strength, works well with technique. He's got a good motor, and, and he is a fit in several schemes, whether you want to use him as a five technique or a three technique. So it'll be interesting to see him match up against Cleveland here and really to see if Cleveland can hold his own and, and kind of boost his own stock because Allen is more or less where he is at this point. A couple other guys that I wanted to touch on from this game, quarterback Brett Rippon from Boise State. He's a late-round prospect. We've talked about him on the show a few weeks ago. He is one of the better QBs that you're going to see at the Shrine game in recent years. There just wasn't room for him at the Senior Bowl. Normally, that would be a spot for a player of Rippon's caliber, but he is going to go to the Shrine game. You know, he is a game manager type of quarterback. He does have NFL bloodlines with his uncle and former NFL quarterback Mark Rippon. So he grew up around the game. He's a heady player, and, and he's definitely going to be an asset to an NFL team as a backup or a third stringer. 
We also have Tommy Sweeney, uh, the Boston College tight end. Obviously, the Eagles are mainly a running team behind A.J. Dillon, who isn't draft eligible this year, but we'll be talking about him a lot in the future. Uh, but Sweeney is also a very consistent player, was also first team All-ACC. He's not a guy that's going to stretch the seam. He's 260 pounds, but he has a reliable set of hands. He's a decent blocker, and he's a guy that definitely could be a potential NFL backup. And you'll see both Allen and Sweeney at the Senior Bowl, along with Will Harris and Chris Lindstrom. Uh, Will Harris is a safety and Chris Lindstrom a guard for Boston College. So the Eagles are going to really have a nice contingent at the Senior Bowl. You mentioned Tom Sweeney. He is a guy that's getting a lot of talk in scouting circles. He's a guy who people like because of his size, because of his growth potential, because of his reliability. As you said, going to the Senior Bowl, we mentioned previously on this podcast that the tight ends are expected to be overdrafted in the 2019 NFL draft. So Sweeney is the type of guy that if he has a good senior bowl and then runs well in pre-draft workouts, I expect him to get a combine invite. He's a guy who right now grades as a late-round pick who could hop into the fourth round. One last guy to mention from Boise State, Jabril Frazier, undersized defensive end who's a pass rusher, stands up over tackle. A guy who as a sophomore, when I watched him play, I graded him as draftable because he showed so much potential. His game has leveled off. I'm hearing that he's going to be red flagged because of knee issues in the lead up to the draft. So he's a guy to watch. Number eight, he's been a little bit of inconsistent, which has been frustrating. But when I heard about the knee issues, it kind of pulled it all together. Good character guy, likable guy. Sometimes it seems like he's not going full bore on the football field. Now we know why. We'll move on to the next game that starts a few hours later. And that's the quick lane bowl between seven and five Georgia Tech and six and six Minnesota. While the Yellow Jackets are lacking in NFL prospects for the next level, there are a couple intriguing Golden Gophers, although running back Rodney Smith won't play after suffering a season-ending knee injury back in September. He rushed for 153 yards in the team's opener, got hurt early in the second game. We haven't really heard from him since. He's a fifth-year senior, so he is going to end up going to the draft anyway, but he won't be playing in this bowl game. Tony, what are we looking at from the remaining players in this game? Yeah, not a lot of good, not, not a good game to scout because there aren't many prospects. Georgia Tech obviously undergoing a coaching change as Paul Johnson retires. And my top prospect from Minnesota is Thomas Barber, the inside linebacker. Solid football player, great bloodlines. His uh, brother obviously was dra- played at Minnesota, was drafted. His father played for the New York Jets as a running back, fullback for a number of years. Thomas is a lot like his brother and his father. Not the biggest of guys, not the most athletic, but very instinctive and is basically able to unfold plays and and know what's going to happen before they actually takes place. You mentioned Rodney Smith. Sort of a sleeper from Minnesota is Antonio Chennault, cornerback. A little bit undersized at under 5'10", but has got solid ball skills. He's feisty. He plays bigger than his listed size. Scouts graded him as a street-free agent coming into the season. I think he could slide into the late rounds because I think he could be a very good dime back in a zone coverage type of system and a special teams player. would like to see him add some return skills to his arsenal. But Chennault's another guy to keep an eye on. During this game, although with Georgia Tech, they like to run the ball more than they pass it. As far as the Yellow Jackets are concerned, Parker Braun, the uh, third-year junior offensive guard, he's got decent size, but he's very explosive, strong at the point, is solid in pass protection when Georgia Tech throws the ball. Very good run blocker, very good on the second level. He's got the agility, which is characteristic of Georgia Tech offensive linemen. I think a guy who's setting himself up for a big senior campaign. You mentioned the bloodlines with Thomas Barber. He also had another brother, Dom, and all of them played at Minnesota. Him, Marion Barber III, 
Uh, his brother, Marion Barber, his dad, and Don Barber all played at Minnesota. So there's definitely a legacy with that program with them. But you mentioned, you know, he's a tough player, good motor, has a hockey background from his youth and really kind of chases the football around like you would chase a puck on the hockey rink. So that's an interesting type of player to watch. As you said, the size and speed could hold him back a little bit. It's why he's more of a late, a late day three pick but also a guy that can definitely contribute on special teams if he's not going to make a huge impact on defense for you. Now, the nightcap for the day after Christmas here is the Cheez-It Bowl. 7-5 California is going to face off against 6-6 TCU. And, Tony, we have a whole bunch of defensive players to cover this one that are really interesting from a draft perspective on the third day. What do you think of these guys? you got to start off with TCU pass rusher Ben Benagu, who gets a variety of opinions in the scouting community. 6'3 and a half, 238 pounds, runs and plays in the low four sevens. A guy who, when he's on his game, makes a lot of impact, forces the action up the field, can bend the edge out of a three-point stance or standing over tackle, and someone who can change direction and, and pursue from the backside. The problem is, is I don't always see it from Benagu. He's a guy who some people really like, while others, including myself, feel that he doesn't leave it all out on the field, and, and there's so much more production in him. We'll see him a lot in the postseason. There are going to be questions asked as to why you know he's not a consistent producer, but keep an eye on him during this game and keep an eye on him moving forward towards the draft. Evan Weaver is a guy who I wrote about a couple times. He's considering entering the draft, a tackling machine at Cal, 6'2", about 242 pounds, Runs and plays in the four sevens. It just wreaks havoc. Guy plays like his hair is on fire, making plays up the field, making plays laterally. Doesn't have the great body type. A lot of people think he's better suited, or his body type is better suited for tight end rather than inside linebacker. And sometimes, you know, teams will base their uh, evaluation on that, which basically means he's a terrific college player, but may not project all that well to the next level. Weaver is thinking about entering the draft. I've been told that if he gets a uh, second or third round grade, he will enter the draft. I don't expect him to get a second or third round grade. I presently uh, have stamped him as a six rounder, but he's a guy who makes plays all over the field. And finally, Jordan Knuzak, a guy who entered the uh, season as a free agent, another inside linebacker. He's got decent size at six, two and a half, 240 pounds. Scouts now have stamped him as a draftable prospect. Watch him in this game. We're going to watch him in the postseason. He could end up as a seventh-round choice, a good run stuffer in the middle of the field. Tony, you mentioned that we're going to see Benogu throughout the postseason. He is going to be at the Senior Bowl. He has an interesting story, transferred from Louisiana Monroe after the 2015 season. Statistically, he's been near the top of the Big 12 in sacks and tackles for losses over the past two years. You mentioned his bend around the edge. He's got good speed and athleticism off the edge, too. And, and he's really a long player. He's got good length, but the size isn't quite there in terms of bulk. He's most likely going to have to stand up over tackle at the NFL level, which means he's going to need to learn to play in reverse if he's going to th- be anything more than a designated pass rusher on third downs and other obvious passing situations. Needs to improve his run defense, and as you mentioned, the motor kind of runs hot and cold, but he's the kind of player that a team will take a chance on probably earlier than the fifth-round grade that we have on him just because there is some potential projection there if he puts it all together. But in the end, he hasn't been that player at the college level, so it'll be interesting to see if he can really start to boost his stock heading into the draft at the Senior Bowl. You mentioned both Weaver and Kanoshik. They're second and third in tackles in the Pac-12. Kanoshik was a JUCO transfer, didn't have any Division I offers out of high school. And both of these guys, as you kind of alluded to, they're hard-nosed physical players, not the best athletes, but they tackle well. 
At the very least, they can project as special teamers and backups at the next level. Weaver's probably not going to get that grade that he wanted, so you'll likely see him back at Cal for one more year. One more guy I wanted to discuss, while he won't play in the bowl game because of an undisclosed injury, is running back Darius Anderson from TCU. He also missed the end of last season with a foot injury, so there are some injury questions on him here. We have him graded as a six-round prospect. He's a player with a thick frame. He's got good burst. He's a good space player despite having limited receiving production, so that's a situation where he's going to need to prove himself in that aspect, and it's unfortunate that he wasn't given the platform of the bowl game to do so. Now, Tony... I understand there's a bunch of news on potential pass-catching underclassmen entering the draft, including two SEC tight ends who we've spoken about previously on the show. What's new down south? Yeah, the tight ends that we've spoken about in the past are Irv Smith Jr. of Alabama and Jay Sternberger of Texas A&M. Towards the end of the season, it was relayed to me that both of these players were leaning towards going back to school for another season. I've heard that they switched course. They are... uh, Speaking with agents, a lot of people told me that they feel in the end Irv Smith is going to come out, and I think he's a guy who could go late first round, early second round, depending on his workouts. Really watched his game take off this season. 38 receptions for 648 yards with seven TDs. Looked like an oversized receiver sometimes, the way he was able to make plays down the field and really beat up opponents to come away with the receptions. Uh, A year ago, Basically, as a backup in 2017, 14 receptions for just 128 receiving yards with three TDs. Right now, from what I'm hearing, it's a better than 50-50 chance. In fact, I'd say it's about a 75% chance that Irv Smith Jr., the tight end from Alabama, enters the draft. I think it's an even greater chance that Jay Sternberger makes himself eligible for the draft. I heard that since the end of the season, really when uh, he started to garner a lot of headlines, The word was coming in from scouts that it was going to be a relatively early pick. He's basically uh, switched courses, and it looks very much like Sternberg is going to enter the draft. Had a big-time year at Texas A&M, 47 receptions for 804 yards and 10 touchdowns. This is after uh, 21 catches for 336 yards at Northeast Oklahoma in 2016. Didn't play football in 2017. Sternberg is a guy who's been around. Started his uh, career at Kansas, then transferred to Northeast Oklahoma A&M. Sat out a year, played for Texas A&M. Big guy, athletic guy, terrific pass catcher who's got blocking potential. But the way he's basically moved from spot to spot to spot, from school to school to school throughout his uh, college career is something that scouts are going to want to know about during combine or pro day workouts. And I'm sure he's going to be grilled on it. He's got a lot of upside potential. I think right now he's a last round pick sort of in that fourth, fifth round area, unless somehow he runs an incredibly fast time. But yet another name from the underclassmen ranks that's likely to enter the draft, which will strengthen that tight end position, which is so weak from the senior class. Yeah, you mentioned earlier with Tommy Sweeney that the tight ends you've been hearing are going to be overdrafted this year because A, a lot of NFL teams need help at the position, and B, there isn't much from the senior class with Irv Smith Jr. and Jay Sternberger probably entering the draft. Do you think there's still going to be a lot of overdrafted tight ends, or do you think these guys are kind of shoring up the position? I still think, especially early on with guys like Noah Fant, potentially Irv Smith, some of the other guys, I think they're going to go much earlier than people project. I think there's going to be guys who go in the top 45, even the top 90, that are going to basically raise some eyebrows because there's so many teams that need them and teams are going to grab them early on, figuring that, you know what, we can get our defensive linemen later, we can get our receivers later, especially since it's not looking like a good receiver draft. I still believe that the tight ends are going to go much earlier than people expect. 
Speaking of receivers, we do have some news on a member of the impressive receiving unit at Ohio State. Tony, tell us about K.J. Hill. Yeah, I'm told K.J. Hill is going to enter the draft. I would put it about 90% right now. He's been interviewing agents. I don't want to say it's a short thing, but it's as close as possible to a short thing. Really improved from his sophomore campaign. 65 receptions for 811 yards this year. Six TDs. A guy who's shown himself to be a terrific vertical threat. Makes the deep reception. Reliable hands. There is some question about his size. When I've spoken to scouts, he's kind of all over the board. I have him as a third-round pick. There are other scouts that have him as a third-round pick, yet there are some who feel he's more fifth-round value. As of right now, I'm hearing K.J. Hill is likely to enter the draft. Should surprise no one because Ohio State is a school that consistently puts a lot of underclassmen into the draft, some top-rated guys, as we're going to see with Demontre Jones, likely Dwayne Haskins. Mike Weber's already uh, entered the draft. I'm told that K.J. Hill is likely the next Buckeye underclassman to throw his hat in the ring. And that'll do it for the 12th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast: iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to send us questions to answer on the show. As always, head over to draftanalyst.com for everything you need on this year's bowl games and April's draft. We'll have previews up for every game moving forward to help you follow along with the prospects that you need to know about a couple months in the future. We'll be back with another show breaking down Thursday's trio of games. But for now, on behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi, and we'll see you soon.